So today we're gonna to be talking about keeping customers and building brand love with email. So we're gonna dig into what that actually means in just a minute, but I did wanna introduce our awesome panelists today. I'm Jason Rodriguez. I am not that awesome, but these three definitely are. But I work at Lemus. I'm the community and product evangelist, and you've probably seen me before on all these webinars. But I'm joined today by Lila, Val, and Mike, which I will let them do their own introductions. So let's start with you, Lila. Thanks, Jason. And you are very awesome. Don't sell yourself oh, short. <laughs> but I'm the actually retention marketing manager here at Litmus. So I'm working on customer marketing, retention marketing here. If you've gotten an invite to a customer webinar or anything like that, it's generally coming from me and the email team. So happy to be here. Welcome, Val. I'm Val Geisler, and I am a pretty obsessed with retention email specialist. And consultant to SaaS and subscription-based e-commerce. I love subscription models and talking about keeping customers long-term, which just happens to be what we're talking about today. So I'm glad to be here and talk about my favorite thing. Awesome. And Mike, a familiar face around these parts. Yeah, Mike here from Really Good Emails. Thanks for having me. If you're unfamiliar with Really Good Emails, we're just this really weird site that goes out and collects email um, and categorizes them. So there's Lots of email in this category that we'll hit on today. Awesome. So if you're here, you probably know that email is an absurdly valuable marketing channel. At Limus, we've been kind of hitting on this theme that we like to call email first, that really just tries to uh, remind people that since email is so valuable, it should be your go-to marketing channel for a whole bunch of reasons. Again, because most businesses see a huge return on investment when they do invest in email. So over the years, we've seen you know averages range from $38 to $44 and even beyond that for some industries and some companies. So since email is so valuable, it's probably a great place to invest your time, invest your strategy, but it's a great place to experiment with a lot of things too. And it has a lot going for it. It's relatively quick and easy to set up email campaigns to test out different marketing value props to see what your subscribers, what your customers are responding to, and just see what really resonates with your audience through email first, and then use those learnings to inform a lot of your marketing strategy across all these other different channels. I don't think it's any surprise to anybody here if you're on the webinar that email is a very valuable channel and something that you should probably pay a little bit more attention to. But there's a lot that goes into the email journey and that journey of your customers from sign up all the way through to purchasing to follow-ups all these kind of ideal landmarks that we found throughout the customer journey in, in email marketing and there's this great kind of idealized path from ConvertKit, which is an esp about this ideal customer journey that first encounter when they opt into your email list what that ideal welcome email that onboarding journey looks like through to nurturing your customers and guiding to them to their first purchase and multiple purchases after that. But a lot of times that isn't really reflected in our actual customer journeys and our subscriber journeys. For a lot of people, it looks more something like this, where you have somebody subscribe, but you have that quick welcome email, they might get a monthly newsletter, you'll send them a product updates as they happen. But there's this really big empty spot in the middle there between those first couple of touch points and then when you notice that they've lapsed and you need to start winning them back as customers. And so while we're gonna talk about a lot of different aspects of this customer journey and these three phases in this relationship building from onboarding through long-term engagement winbacks, we're gonna be focusing a lot on that long-term engagement aspect and what Val has spent so much time kind of looking at reducing churn and creating that long-term retention. That's the subject of today's webinar. We're gonna look at how to successfully onboard your new subscribers and your customers, what those welcome emails should look like, how different companies are really tackling that really effectively, but then really look into how do we create that engagement long-term with our subscribers and how do we retain them, even if we're not sending out you know, product updates or monthly newsletters, what does that long-term engagement really look like? And how can we make sure we're doing that properly so that we keep people interested in our brands and build all that brand love and keep them coming back over time? And then, of course, we all have lapsed subscribers. You know, there's nothing we can do to avoid that. 
it's always going to happen, but there are definitely some things we can do well to make sure that even when they lapse, we can win them back and re-engage them effectively. So that's what we're going to be talking about there. So I'll be moderating things, but I'm going to hand things off to our panelists, uh, starting with Mike, to talk about that first phase in that subscriber journey, which is onboarding new subscribers. Thanks, Jason. Good. I'm glad we're doing this today. And I really want to touch on that point of it being a relationship. When you think about email, email is just one way that you communicate with your followers, your fans, your customers. And these people are, they are actively giving you their information because they want to be contacted. That's how the engagement starts. So you have done something to catch their eye to make sure that this, there's some some reason to get this going. And there's a lot of analogies out there about dating and there's we're not going to go into that today because there's a lot of loopholes in that analogy. But there are some successful things that you can do to onboard and welcome new users, new customers, new followers, new readers. So we're going to hit some points out right now. So the first thing is to reinforce your value propositions. You know, somebody came on and onto your website or met you in person or went to an event of yours pre-COVID. Now it's a virtual event like you're doing right now. And they liked what they saw. And there's a reason that they signed up and they wanted your emails. They might not know everything that's behind the curtain. And so this is a great time for you to go and show them your value propositions, why, why you exist, why, why you're doing what you're doing, and why you think it's a benefit to them. But then you also need to set expectations. You don't want to be like the super creepy person who says that they're going to contact you every day or every six hours to follow up, see how you're doing. You need to make sure that people know what they're going to get getting themselves into following that relationship kind of mode. You're not going to ask them to move in the first day you met them. So you kind of need to take it a little bit slow and then find out what where they where they enjoy the, the relationship. And then you got to keep it simple. You don't want to overbear them or get too complicated with your messaging. You should have a very direct reason why you're contacting them. Or maybe it is just a, a follow-up just to something, but there's there's got to be something there. And then the big portion of this whole thing is making sure that there's a call to action. They know what the reason is that you contacted them, what you want them to do based on the information that you give them. So I'm going to jump into some cool examples. There is this brand called The Dots out of the UK. They are a hiring and kind of job messaging software platform. I just caught wind of them a few months ago. And like anybody else, you know, I was like, hey, this seems like a really cool company. I'm going to give you my email address and see what happens. This is the first email they sent. This is not like a double opt-in confirmation. This is the one after that. So they already know that I'm in it to win it. They start off with reinforcing uh, their value proposition right there. It's kind of blurry, uh, but it says we're a home for the people. They tell you up front who they are, what they stand for, what they're going to do for you. So the next point there is that they're setting expectations. As you scroll down in the email, they want you to know that they will showcase your work, that they will connect you with creators, that they have, if you keep going down the email, there's an RCP to events they have. You can ask the community questions and get feedback on your resume or projects you've worked on. So they're all kind of set all up here, all up front, very simple. It's not really wordy. And that's the, that's the next point is just keeping it simple. There's a lot of white space in this email. There's not a lot of fluffy text. They use icons to draw the eye down, and so you can easily skim it. Maybe you know some of these things that from the time you signed up, or some things are new, but the icons really help out. And then the very bottom of this email, they've got a simple CTA, which is just explore more, explore the dots. They've given you quite a few options to start with, and they know that this is this is just the beginning of the relationship. So they're trying to see, you know, once you get back to the site or back to their product. Uh, what you're going to do. So this is a good way to engage with somebody and, and figure out, hey, you know, we're going to set some expectations here that we're going to give you these tools. The next thing that they're going to do is they're going to start sending emails to make sure that you're warmed up. So the, the first email they send over is this email that really creates some FOMO. So it's uh, it's one that's like, don't miss out on this. Uh, you're really getting an insider track by using the dots. It's more of an extrinsic motivator. So if you're familiar with extrinsic and intrinsic motivations, extrinsic are doing things so other people see you that you don't miss something that others are doing. And they're really tapping into that kind of uh, mode that this is something that 
you don't want to miss out on in that second one. And they have this follow companies CTA to let you know, like there are some really cool companies using this platform. And if you follow them, you're going to get some value out of it. The next email they send is adding some social proof to this. So there are brands that, that use this. There are, this is more, it's again, for an extrinsic motivator, but they're also showing some opportunities to learn something new and they want you to update your profile. So not a lot of people are going to get something out of updating their own profile. This is now for other people to see your profile, see what you're doing. And this is tapping into this intrinsic motivator. There's a reason that you came to us. There's a reason that you want to develop yourself. So much like if you're selling shoes or selling tax services, there's a reason that people came to you. What is that reason that you can tap into to make that person a, a better individual? And so as they transition to intrinsic motivators, they send this last email, which is the fourth one, to improve your chances of being discovered and meet new people. And this is, again, building up your own community and finding people to talk to and, and learn new things and, and create a place and a safe space for yourself to be creative. Those are kind of the, the first four emails that you get from the dots. They walk you pretty closely through what they want you to do, but they are also touching on things that are important uh, probably to you and why you wanted to engage with them in the first place. Or... Uh, remind you or point out new features that you didn't see when you signed up. So that's all good. But like I said at the very beginning, you don't want to be sending too many things all at once. So we get into this cadence where the first day you signed up is that first email. Then on day two is when you get that second email. And then you might think, okay, day three is the third one. But no, they, they know like we're not going to pepper you every single day with something here. We want to see and, and wait to see what you've do with our, our products or our platform or our services. So they move on to, uh, they wait another five days before they send something out. And then again, another seven days till they send out the next one. So they're slowly moving you away from everyday contact and just now reminding you of things that may be important to you. And as you engage with the site more and update your profile, you're going to get different kinds of messaging, which is really cool because they're going to start tailoring these events, different companies, different people that you should follow based on the behavior, which I, I love. I love that there's this whole one-to-one -one relationship that's being built as you are being onboarded to the, their process. So think about your company and what you're doing. Maybe those are you know ways to bring them into fitting products, talking to new consultants, you know, getting them engaged more on your app, whatever you're selling, there's definitely a way to keep them engaged and, and reminded, but also not be overbearing. If you look also at these emails, they're very simple. There's only a few lines of text, an image, another couple lines of text, and a call to action. They're not going into this long-form email about their background and where they were born and why they started the business. There are places to do that. That may be in a welcome email. That may be a call to action to read more about the history of the business. But they're, what they're really doing is staying consistent in their design elements and using a design system here that's really recognizable. So the next time you get an email from the dots, you've been conditioned what to look at, where to look at it, what kind of information it'll have. And so there are lots of onboarding emails out there, different kinds of types. Here are just a few. There are plenty that you will find on reallygoodemails.com as well. But when you get started, this is something that I, when I say it's like a multi-feature, I think something that's really complex as a product. So maybe like a car company. So if you just bought a, a Honda, they're showing you different aspects of the vehicle that you probably didn't know about or like Canon camera, those things that are a little bit more complex to, to show off in just one email. So they're going to spread it out over multiple emails and, and show you different features that make that complicated system or service or product easy to digest. And the next one would be like a trial example. This is something like Audible. So letting you know that you only have a few days left to download something. The next one would probably be like a data example where they're trying to understand your profile and what your behavior is like and what, and what you like. So they're asking you for more information. An example that I recently came across was National Geographic. And when you first sign up, you get a welcome email and a couple of emails after that. And then they start sending, they send you one email that says, here are the topics that National Geographic covers. Which one are you interested in? And when you click on one of those topics, the following emails are only dedicated to that topic they've kind of left out the stuff that you don't care about, which is really cool when you start looking about data collection within the onboarding process. 
a nudge example would be something like Pinterest. If you use Pinterest, letting you know that you haven't finished your profile yet, or that there are maybe a pin board that you need to create, or you know you haven't created something in so many days. That is a really good example to keep people engaged. This is not a win back. This is something that's still there within the first couple of weeks of you using their system or their platform or their products. It's not trying to like, oh crap, they're not coming back anymore. This is just a, a simple reminder. And then an upsell example would be something like Hulu seeing you go through the rest of the onboarding process, but then saying like, hey, do you want to do Hulu Plus where you're, we take away your ads for you because we see that you're engaged with all the other emails and you're engaged on the platform uh, that we've sent you. And we think that this would be an experience or it might be, you know, belts with the jeans you just purchased. So those are all some examples of onboarding. Again, it's bringing on this relationship. You want to take it at a good pace. You don't want to be too overbearing. You want to set expectations. And I think a lot of those are going to fall through as we go on to what a long-term relationship is. So I'm going to hand it over to Val, and she's going to talk more about this because this is what she does, and she's really good at it. She can talk to it better than I can. Thanks, Mike. You are really great at it too. So don't sell yourself short. You and Jason selling yourself short all over the place here. So onboarding is like the kind of first step in building these long-term relationships because you can't really do this second part unless you've done the first part right. It's really weird to not hear from somebody for a very long time and then all of a sudden have them back in your life on a regular basis. And so the same applies in email. Uh, we want to use email to build long-term relationships, especially when you have a subscription-based business. There's a tendency for subscription-based businesses to only send receipts on a monthly basis or you know, product-related. So whether it's shipping and delivery notifications on the e-commerce side or product updates on the SaaS side. That's kind of the, the standard. And I, I'm a champion for increasing that standard to more regular communication. I think the, the best way that you can provide value and keep people engaged over time is to show them that they are more than a credit card. And that is by saying like, hey, just because you've signed up for your subscription or made your purchase with us, it doesn't mean that now we've got you and we don't need to talk to you anymore. There's so many more conversations you can keep having. And it's one of the reasons that I love this kind of like long-term retention. There's, there's different concepts around the definition of onboarding and retention. And what we're talking about here is the kind of more long-term retention. So how do you talk to people who've been around for a, a extended period of time, who've made several months worth of purchases with you on your subscription or have been a customer on an ongoing basis? What do you do besides send those receipts? There's a couple of of ways to tackle retention. And it's gonna vary company to company and what your relationship looks like with your customers now. And there's a lot more, There's I have four examples here for you, but there are so many more ways. And so we'll dive into these, but there are a lot of examples that different companies have. And actually on really good emails, there's a, I think it's, the category is, retention. I, I believe that's what it is. So there's a, a number of examples on there of ways you can increase retention, but rewarding loyalty. So making sure that they understand, again, this is like, they're more than just a credit card to you, that they matter. All human beings want to, is to feel seen and heard. And if you can do that with email, you'll have a customer forever. Offer upgrades. I know we talked about upgrades in onboarding, but you know this is a, a valid part of the, your retention phase as well. And just make sure that the upgrades benefit them, that it's not just all about you and getting more money out of them, but making it speak to what they purchased. Like Mike gave that example of belts with the jeans that you just purchased. So making sure that those upgrades benefit them letting them know when you'll charge them. Now, this is something that I encourage for anything that's kind of a greater frequency than monthly. So if you have a monthly subscription, you don't necessarily need to do this. So it's nice. 
but if you have anything like a quarterly or people who are on an annual plan, you definitely want to let them know when they're going to get hit with like a $400 charge before it happens. Yes, you will uh, see additional cancellations, but you'll see less chargebacks. So that's fun. And then get them involved, get them involved in your brand, in, in sharing your best customers, your long-term customers can be an entire marketing channel for you. And I like to think about what if you canceled all acquisition campaigns, if you no longer ran any ads or even allowed new customers to join your platform, how would you continue to grow your business? And it is through your existing customers. If they can send people a special link to be able to join or buy from you, then you know they have that power to help grow your brand. They do also have the power to kill your brand. And we we know all about that in the kind of cancel culture, I guess. This is one of the reasons why you want to continue an ongoing relationship with your customers so that you keep them close and keep them happy. So I'm going to share a few examples with you of those four that we just went over. The first one is, this is a the, the giving them the offer. With this email, I really love it because it came to me. So these are all actual examples from my inbox. I was a MeUndies subscriber and uh, I got this long after I had started using the product. I think it was probably the second month of my subscription is when I was asked to refer a friend. The kind of default in e-commerce is to send that referral request either immediately after purchase, which like, why would I tell anyone about this product if I haven't even tried it yet? Or, you know, before it's even delivered. So I would encourage you to send these kinds of emails after they have had a chance to use the product. See what happens if you get more referrals, if you push this back. This is also a, it can be a standalone campaign that you can drip out over time. Don't just talk about your referral program once and let it go. Continue to talk about it in different ways and share experiences that other people are having. And if it's that they're getting 20 bucks and so Jennifer referred so many people that she had three months worth of free undies as an example, right? So you can, you can tell the stories of your customers. You want to, in asking them to spread the word about your brand, give them something for their efforts. So this is give your friends 20 and get 20. The 20 and 20 is kind of tired, I would say. A lot of companies do it. So try and think about how yours can be special and really stand out for your customers. And then get super clear. Don't throw this at the bottom of another email. Make it its own campaign. There's nothing else in this email. This is other than the footer, this is the entirety of the email. So it's it's super clear. So this is the upgrade idea. So we're going to encourage upgrades that are relevant to our customers' purchases. Again, I'm a customer of KiwiCo for my kids. And this upgrade is in a connection to the product that I already subscribe to. The other thing that they're doing here is they are showing what it looks like. They're showing an example of this, this product and the way that it connects to my existing subscription. So this is where those images come into play. This is actually a carousel or it's a GIF, but of rotating options because everybody has different types of subscriptions and you can subscribe to multiple things at once. So the other thing they're doing here is they are offering it for free for one month. So they're saying, hey, try it out, see how you like it. And they're pulling you in as a customer and saying, add this, do this upgrade. And then what happens is we forget that we added the upgrade and then we get it the next month. And while it is really great, and so it's already on my account and I'm just going to keep it up. It's a really easy thing for me to continue doing after I didn't pay for it the first time. And then you want to make it super relevant to them and let them know that this is actually going to move them onto the new subscription. So this is with a deluxe subscription. They're referencing the fact that this is not just an upgrade this one time, but it's changing your entire subscription and you'll continue to get a new book every month. So really love that as a the upgrade option in the retention sequence. This came after I had my second Kiwi Crate. So.
again, we're, we're talking about those second and, and third purchases where we want to see these things. This is a, before you charge them, let them know what what's happening. Lume is a deodorant that I highly recommend if you need a natural deodorant. And they are e-commerce DTC only. And I have a subscription. My subscription is something like every eight weeks, maybe. I'm not actually positive. But because it's not every single month, I get a notification from them that I am going to be charged, that the next shipment is shipping on this coming date. And then they say, hey, if you don't need this right now, you can click here to delay your order. And I will tell you guys, this is the easiest process. I clicked and then I chose from a dropdown how many or like what day I wanted to delay to. And that was it. I didn't have to log into a dashboard. I didn't have to fill out any complicated forms. It was super simple and it made me fall in love with this brand even more. It does give me the option to go into my account and uh, make any modifications or cancellations inside of the account. And then the other thing is it tells me what actually is in my next order because we forget. We forget what we had for breakfast this morning. So to ask your customers to remember what's in their order that they placed or even have on a running basis from eight weeks ago. It just doesn't create a great experience for your customers. This is an incredible email and not enough companies are doing it. And then the last one, so this is getting your customers involved in your brand. Canva here is asking their customers to share their designs. So this is a, a bit of a Christmas competition. So they want you to use a hashtag. So they're building their brand recognition with a particular hashtag. If your company doesn't have a custom hashtag, create one for a campaign help them help you by this is them referring their friends and it's an inherent referral, right? It's, it's them publicly saying, I use this platform and I love it so much. I'm sharing this information, whether it's their own image they created, or maybe if you have a physical product, it's them wearing or using the product. There are all different ways that you can get your customers involved in showing off your product. And then return the favor. They're showing off your product. So use your larger platform to show them off. People love to, again, be seen and heard. And there's no better way to do that than to show them off, to say, hey, here's our really cool customers and we want, we want you to know about them. This is especially true if you are in B2C. Your customers want to have their story told and your brand offers a platform that they don't otherwise have. So return the favor when they're sharing the love for you. And there's, a, there's like a dozen more ways to talk about retention, but the next phase is super important to winning back lap subscribers. So I'll turn that over to you, Lila. Thank you so much. Okay. So I, I'm now I'm, I was going to use a relationship analogy, but now that Mike has called them out, I'm not sure what to do. That's always been my go-to, but, but he's absolutely right. There's plenty of loopholes to that can kind of uh, make it fall apart pretty quickly. But re regardless, if it's not like dating, it's definitely a relationship, right? And sometimes every relationship needs to have a little magic back in it and needs to reignite the spark, you know. Val has this great analogy about the dinner party, you know, maybe the dinner party needs a little bit of a song change, a tempo mix up. So now how do you reel them back in? And I think there's going to be like a lot of similar threads or things kind of weaving throughout a lot of these conversations, because so much of what makes email really good is consistent throughout pretty much every step of the process. So you may see a lot of these things that we've talked about a little bit repurposed for each step. So I think that's pretty interesting and I'm glad that we're kind of all aligned on that. So similar to kind of what I'll just talked about, you know, I like to share a strategy that the great American writer, David Sedaris once shared, you know, he says that whenever he likes to go out to a store, he tries to make the transaction, you know, more about the conversation and the moment that he had with the cashier or the person working and himself. He likes to learn something about them or like have a memorable interaction that puts that little spring in his step for the next part of the day and kind of makes it go beyond just feeling like that kind of transaction when a business transaction is taking place. Sometimes it just kind of feels lit. So I always kind of feel like I'm trying to replicate that feeling with email. 
And of course, it makes it a whole lot easier if you have that messy middle that Val kind of talked about fleshed out with great emails that are working on building that relationship and helping your subscribers learn more about you and vice versa. You know, and even better if you really set that up in the onboarding phase as well. So like each part kind of feeds into itself. And even if they've canceled, you know, if you've sent them off nicely and they had a great offboarding, that's so much easier to try and win someone back than desperately trying to prevent someone from canceling, you know, to Val's point, like not telling them when they're going to get charged, not wishing them well, not letting them easily leave, you know, so then trying to win them back after that is way, way harder. I mean, kind of have to like rebuild the trust that you've established to get them to sign up for your emails in the first place. So if someone's checked out of your emails completely, you know, definitely make sure that your next touch brings a ton of value. And I'll show a couple uh, examples of companies doing that. So, you know, you can't really set and forget a solid win back program. Not that you can really do that with any emails, but, you know, uh, win backs, I think, are something that kind of need to be discussed recurring, you know, with every campaign or launch or upcoming event, you know, it's a good bullet point to add to your kind of kickoffs, like, hey, how can we get lapsed customers to check this out? Or, you know, what can we do to bring people back as a result of this campaign? Or, you know, those types of discussions are really good. Even if it's like a small group of people, a lot of times it's repurposing some of these discussions and emails that you've already had, but for a different audience. After going through a ton of examples and working on a lot of them back campaigns myself, I think there's a few key elements it boils down to. Honestly, very similar to most of the key principles of great email, you know, make your email valuable and mean something to your customers through content, knowledge, your product offering, or your community. And after you do win them back, you know, let's feed them back into that kind of life cycle that we've been talking about this whole you know, 40 minutes or so, you know, don't let them just disappear again for another few months until they get another win back campaign. To me, that kind of feels like my relationship with my parents, you know, I'd never call them till they guilt trip me and text me and get them to call them. And then there's a lot of waiting and then till that kind of happens again. So don't be a bad uh, kid like me, your customers, you know, definitely keep in touch and don't just try and like ask for something out of nowhere and then disappear again. So we'll get into my examples now. I'll share a few that just kind of run through some of the key elements that I mentioned above. The first one here is from American Airlines. And I got these all on really good emails, so you can find them there. But, you know, here I'm learning that I could lose miles if I don't make a qualifying purchase on my credit card or go ahead and like redeem the miles. American Airlines, you know, they want me to make the purchases. So they've given me a bunch of ideas on how to spend that money with all these CPAs, all these links which I like, there might be a little bit, uh, a lot of links here, but I still like the approach in general. I like that they have some time listed here, but it's not like act now and it doesn't feel cheap to me. It also has the rewards number at the top, like your rewards number. So that, you know, if you need to call um, and ask a question or you want to log in, you can make sure that it matches up with the email. It also makes the email feel a little bit more secure to me and more personalized, but not overtly, not like a hello, Lila. We see that your birthday is X, Y, Z, just kind of leading into the personalization because they're trying to check a box. I really like that it's kind of used here a little bit strategically. Another example of this might be like a login button or other things that kind of tie back into how they've used your product or what they've purchased. So you can kind of build that security up. Next up is Unsplash here. This is a nice example of a little nudge of Merino, but that's not a onboarding nudge. So this is someone who's already done something a while ago and they're trying to get you to do it again. I love the hero image. It's nice and attention grabbing and I like the copy. It's not trying to do a ton of things at once. Like, you know, to Val's point as well, the focus on this email is really sharp. A lot of times when we want to win customers back, you know, a little bit like in the American Airlines, we can get excited. So the message can get a little muddled, like, oh, we, but we want them to do this and do that and do this. But here Unsplash is obviously determined that contributing a photo is really important for them. And I think that's pretty clear. There's also a little CTA below the fold that says the same thing that I couldn't get in the screenshot. So, but this email is good. It gives us a nice little bit of sneaky FOMO, you know, hey, this is what's been happening without you. So yeah, this is like a sister email to a few of Mike's examples in onboarding, right? They're using that extrinsic motivation plus their previous knowledge of you to get you motivated and do that nudge. I think one cool thing that could kind of take this email to the next level or even maybe 
target people in a different group would be to target people who have posted topics in these trending topics before and say like, hey, your topic is trending, get your eyes on the photos, go post something, you'll get more visibility, you know, something like that. Something that's actually going to help your customers get more value out of your platform. It doesn't just like serve you. All right, we can head over to my last example. Yay, so Asana will always be in my examples. I'm sorry, it just happens that they have a lot of great emails for what I often want to talk about. This is more for product launches, but the design of this email is a showstopper in my opinion. I love the copy. It lets me know that something has changed at Asana without having to decode like some marketing speak or uh, scroll around or, or like get some teasers. I mean, it just says Asana's faster. It's like, cool. And then a clear, easy CTA to give it a try. My only thoughts on this email, and I might've missed this, but Asana was never slow for me. I'm a really happy Asana user for many years. So I'm probably not the target audience, which is why I might be confused, but it did remind me of a good point. You know, if you're going to use a product launch or an improvement to get folks back, make sure you're telling the right folks the right message. You know, if they've given you feedback on that in the past, closing the loop with customers on like feature requests or anything is also a good touch point. But, you know, making sure that you're, that you know who you're talking to and you're telling them the right thing. You know, as an example, recently at Litmus, a tool we use recently announced via email that they've fixed a bunch of bugs. And that was kind of the only announcement in the email. And a few folks on the team were like, you know, why, what, what is this email about? Like, this doesn't really tell me anything. Who cares about bugs? But for myself, who uses the tools very, tool very often, it's actually a very buggy tool. And that's kind of known. So for me, it was really important. And it was actually a big deal. So I think they could have maybe fixed that some of the confusion by segmenting out those folks that didn't really use the, the platform on a regular basis, because they obviously they don't know it's buggy. And now they do know. So yeah, I, I just that's what one, one of my big things is all about segmentation, you know, right message, right time, right people. So I've got one last little bit, and then I'll wrap it up here. I just want to kind of make make the note that you can't leave people hanging. You can't ghost. This is where that loop, the loop comes in that I've talked about, you know, don't leave people in that win back confirmation cycle, the not calling your parents and, and texting, having them text you to call them. Keep them in your thoughts and think about how you can bring them something valuable every once in a while. So they also keep you in, in, in their thoughts. It's about building that relationship and a relationship is a little bit of a two-way uh, street. So if they're giving you money or contributing their time or whatever it is for your product, it's definitely helpful, to, helpful and meaningful to them if you give them something in return through your email program. So I've got a few other ideas on here. Discounts, messy area, because then you can kind of set the precedent that you're just going to give discounts forever to get people to come back. We were just talking about on our, on our call before this, how we abandon carts on purpose sometimes to get the the discount i'm i bought a new house and i'm home shopping right now and i've i've definitely done some of those tactics so you know be careful with discounts it can really set a precedent that your product isn't worth as much as you're charging for it and can be get more and more difficult for you as you move forward trying to get people back then it kind of they just expect the discount code and that's it but it can be done really, there's creative ways to do it. Like uh, Val's example was a great one. And free shipping is another good one that Mike brought up yesterday. So yeah, but I think that's it from me. Yeah, that's me. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, so I definitely see some questions coming in, which I want to get to, but quickly just kind of remind people of some of these steps that you could take next to look at your own onboarding retention and win back campaigns. So when it comes to onboarding, I, I, I think for all of these categories, one of the key things you should do is review all of your emails on a fairly regular basis to make sure that you're, you know, setting the right expectations, that you're providing the value that you uh, really need to provide your subscribers so that you can build that relationship and that longer term relationship. Uh, but for onboarding, make sure that your emails, those welcome emails are right, setting the right expectations that you are doing that upfront work to reinforce your value proposition so that people know what they're getting into, what they can get from you as a company, and just kind of give them the tools and the resources they need to uh, kick that relationship off on the right foot. 
Uh, when it comes to retention, uh, try to go go beyond just like buying it, like reinforcing like, oh, you can buy this thing and try to keep them engaged with your brand beyond just buying. I think Val had some great examples in there about using social stuff, creating, you know, these social campaigns, showing off what people have created with your product or what they've accomplished with your brand and just reinforcing that 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 kind of relationship and that loyalty between yourself and your customers long term beyond just, you know, trying to get them to buy things on a somewhat regular basis. And then finally in Winbacks, review those Winback campaigns to make sure that you're offering something that's truly valuable and really easy to take advantage of. But I, I think Lila had that great point that you don't just wanna do that solely through discounts every single time, because that does tend to set a bad precedent. And you get a lot of people that are abandoning carts just so they can get those discounts because they know that they're gonna get them. So think about what other value you can offer your, your customers that have lapsed. I do wanna get in Q&A though. I know we're, we're getting close on time here. But a couple of really good questions, and one of them that's kind of come through in a couple different variations, but with industries like travel, healthcare, higher education, things that aren't, you know, a specific like smaller product or something that people might buy on a more regular basis, what do you three think about like how you can tackle engagement long term for those types of industries? where it might be a year or more between those purchases because not everybody can afford to, you know, go on a big trip or, you know, in higher education, then it's it's more on a yearly basis as you uh, get further on in your education. So maybe Val, we could start with you about thinking about engagement long-term, that retention for these longer uh, life cycles for customers. Yeah, this is where I love telling customer stories. So if you've done any customer interviewing and gathering stories of, so whether it's, you know, the the trip of a lifetime or the, you know, family trip before a parent deploys overseas or those kind of compelling stories that your customers have by, you know, buying their teenager or their first car, if those kinds of big purchases, there are stories that go along with them. And then you can use those stories to what they do is they one show that you care about your customers, that you're telling their stories, sharing real pictures of them and telling, you know, using their names and, and reaching out to your other customers and, and sharing those stories. Um, these are also useful in that kind of pre-purchase where you can get people seeing themselves making this this kind of purchase through someone else's story but it, it does also keep people you know seeing themselves in the future going on another vacation or buying another car for their kid that's going to turn 16 in three years and so there's you know yes there may be a long period of time but there's lots of there are a lot of lots of stories to tell and the more you can show your customers that different ways that they can see themselves living that same story, uh, the better off you are in the long run. It's also just about staying top of mind and you can use the stories to do that. You know, ever we get so much information all the time that uh, by showing up in their inbox on a regular basis keeps your brand top of mind when they think vacation or car or, you know, whatever that big purchase is. Cool. I feel like especially in, you know, healthcare, higher education, finance stuff, like especially healthcare, I Feel like there are some insurers that are doing things well where you know you you only buy insurance or opt into it once a year so there is that longer cycle but there's a lot of opportunities to remind people about how to stay healthy or what kind of checkups they can get and there's a lot of different touch points that you can do and i get the sense that if if you think about your industry there's probably a lot more touch points you could take advantage of that most other competitors aren't doing because people just don't spend the time investigating and like kind of thinking deeply about where they can do that. Yep, absolutely. Cool. This is really a, also a big point about just data collection in general and using that data for your benefit as a company. So if you have an app or you have customer information that shows their behavior and their pattern of usage, you can extrapolate some of those those data points to better uh, inform your future 
email. So in the sense of like a car or car insurance, I might have purchased that like a year ago, but now I've got something plugged in my car to show how many, how many miles ago per day, or, you know, how often uh, I check into my car insurance. Maybe I got a ticket or something. I'm not saying I did, but maybe I did. And so those are different points to touch base with your users because you see them engaging at certain different points and that's, that should infer that they're, they're looking for information and you can take that information and, and benefit. So same with travel. I work pretty extensively in travel and just because somebody travels once one big trip a year out of the U S doesn't mean that they're not looking for one of the smaller weekend getaways that's close to home. So what is their behavior like when they, when they travel near versus when they travel far and are you able to extrapolate some of that data based on their search behavior or things that they have looked at to see what's close to home. So there's, there's definitely ways to look at the data and, and benefit your kind of relationship in the sense of there are different types of people and, and, and different times to hit each of those individuals. Cool. I think one of the questions that a lot of people have, and I know it's something that every email marketer struggles with is how do you win back or how do you re-engage people that have unsubscribed for your emails? How do you get them back into your email program? I'm just going to throw that out. Anybody that wants to tackle it, have at it. I'll go for it. So this is where you really need to up your social game and your customer experience, because even if they've unsubscribed, they, and they still may be purchasing from you or still be looking at you as uh, a source of truth or, or information. And so giving them the opportunity to opt back in is really important. So you should be using, if they're on your website, pop-ups to, again, push down that value proposition, or there might be segmented email newsletters or journeys that they could opt in for. So I know like Harvard Business Review does stuff like this, or The Hustle has their own different like side thing that they do just for certain niches. So yeah, I, I subscribe for the entire thing, but now there's something I'm looking at. It's very specific to what I want. And I only may want to learn about that for like four or five emails long. Um, and I'll, I'll resubscribe to those very niche uh, newsletter journeys. Nice. So I, uh, one more before we kind of wrap up here. Um, seen a couple of variations of this question too, but a perennial problem with email marketers and just anybody doing their job really is getting stakeholders and bosses to buy in and support these initiatives. So what are some techniques or what are some tactics people can use to get stakeholders to buy into investing in longer term retention or better win back campaigns? especially since a lot of times those don't see immediate value or immediate sales, especially when I'm thinking about that, you know, long-term retention. I got asked this a lot at the last Litmus Live, like, okay, this is all great and I want to do it, but how do I get my boss to give me the time in the week to do it? And, you know, my answer is that building these campaigns, uh, retention campaigns have value in marketing in multiple places. If for some reason they don't work out as email campaigns, these are now great pieces of marketing collateral for social campaigns, or there's a, any number of use cases for these emails. The other thing is I always love to, to kind of position it as give me X amount of time. And so in long-term retention, we're probably talking six months or, or I don't know that they're going to give you a year on it, but maybe. So say, give me six months. Let's put these into place and see what happens. And I'm willing to be wrong, uh, but at least we'll know. We don't know if we don't try it. And, you know, on X date, I will deliver you the the findings and, you know, we'll we'll make a decision from there as to whether we keep going on this. And so I think just defining your parameters around how much time you're going to invest into creating these campaigns and then telling them exactly when you're going to report back on it and just say, you know, again, that like willingness to be wrong, knowing that you probably won't be, but just putting that out there and, and saying, I'm willing to abandon the project if, if after X amount of time, we aren't seeing the results we want to see. Cool. I know where, I think we might have time for one more. I did have a question in here about how how do you kind of balance all these email efforts? We talk about email being first and, you know, that being your go-to channel, but then how do you 
take some of these learnings or balance this across different channels like social media. So if you're investing all this time into retention campaigns or into winback campaigns, but you do have a really strong social media presence, what does that balance look like for brands to do that, to achieve that effectively? I see these other channels as almost like influences on your strategy. So if you are doing something specific in a storefront or talking to people and they, it really resonates with them, I would add that into your onboarding process or a winback process to really reemphasize that value proposition that, that rings true. Again, it's a testing environment and social. You can test different subject lines, different images to see what people are engaging with. And you can apply that over to email as well or vice versa. You can find out what happens in email and go apply that to social media to grow your presence and see who else resonates with the value proposition that you already have with your current customers. Cool, good advice. So we're going to be wrapping up here, but did want to give everyone a couple of resources. Really good emails. Again, just they're, you know, they're, they're known for collecting so many amazing email campaigns and just sharing them with the world. But they also do a really good job of categorizing things, too. So there's three categories in really good emails that uh, are very pertinent to this discussion. So definitely check out the welcome, the engagement and the win back categories. I didn't see retention. I think engagement is the one that that we would typically call retention to, um, but definitely check those out. And then be sure to check out a bunch of different resources, limits.com, especially on the blog over at limits.com slash blog. Val has fixmyturn.com and that dinner party strategy, which is amazing. I definitely recommend checking that out. I was actually looking at it the other day because it was so helpful. And that's at fixmyturn.com slash TDPS. And then reallygoodemails.com for sure, because they have so much inspiration, you know, a bunch of resources, a bunch of articles, uh, great YouTube kind of email teardowns and that kind of stuff to help everybody with these different phases of the subscriber journey. Um, so that's going to do it for us today, though. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'm, I'm really happy that we got to talk through some of this stuff. And thank you so much, Val, Mike, and Lila for joining me today. And we will definitely have all three of you back on to talk about some of these great email topics a little bit later. Hey, thanks for having us. Thanks, y'all. Thank you.